What that doesn't look like a fucking moose. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast. I'm Salome. And I'm Pam. How are you doing today? I'm good. Did you say I, Pam, or I'm Pam? <laughs> I said I'm Pam. <laughs> For some reason, it sounded like I, Pam, <laughs> which is no. fantastic. I'm Pam. I'm good. <laughs> um, How are you today? I'm really good. Before we jump into anything animal-related, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to call out that we have our shit together quite a lot more with um, microphones <laughs> and things like that. Yay. Uh, this episode should sound <laughs> quite a lot better than last week's. Yes. Other welcome. than us talking. <laughs> than that part. Yes, I have a hopefully entirely functional audio setup now. So cross our fingers. Yes, and I've learned what I can and cannot do physically <laughs> while we're recording. That sounds uh, speaking weird. Of, <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of, have you recovered physically from your raccoon adventure last week? Yes, I have. Um, And yeah, I have recovered. Uh, It was a really, I fucked up one of my muscles in my shoulder and neck. And that was not fun. But yep, all good on that front. I've had actually quite a moose filled weekend. Oh, nice. So yeah, I went out yesterday. I went into the Tetons because... There's um, an area where a lot of bull moose like to hang out, and this time of year, they're not quite into the rut yet, but they're getting ready for it. So there's Mm -hmm. been a group of a couple of them that have been, like, sparring, where they, like, kind of, they're still, you know, smash their antlers together and stuff, but it's not in, like, a serious or, you know, as brutal way as will happen in a few weeks when the, the moose start to rut. So I went mm-hmm. out there trying to see them because people have got some pretty good footage of all three of them sparring a little bit. I, I only saw one, but man, he was so handsome and <laughs> just beautiful, just gorgeous. <laughs> I hiked out. Like, I just followed other... F- I knew he was out there. I saw him walking the tree line and... Aww. Yeah, and then I, f- I just said, fuck it. I That's my main reason for coming out. You know, I get a lot of FOMO when I go to the parks where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, if I spend too much time watching this, I won't get, you know, I might miss something else. Oh, yeah. But yeah, this time I decided, you know what, that I came here with the goal to see this exact moose and he's here. So I'm going to spend the time. And I'm really glad I did because I got some pretty good photos of him, um, which we'll post a couple. But yeah. Yeah, you sent me some. They're beautiful. He was really cool. And it was like just after sunrise. So you could like his breath was all steamy around him. And it sounds romantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, moose are, moose are beautiful. They're, yeah. they're so like goofy and adorable and gorgeous and powerful. They're amazing. Yeah. You guys should all Google moose smiling on Google Images. <laughs> and they, they, it's obviously not like a human smile. Like they're not doing it because they're happy, but they look like the biggest dorks <laughs> and they just are just huge doofuses, even though they're not at all. And they're, you know, very 
majestic. Extremely impressive. Yeah. yeah. But they're, gosh, their faces, they definitely look derpy and it's wonderful. I yeah. And they're actually, actually, moose are my second favorite animal. When I was a kid, I made up a song called Bears and Moose. I was probably five years old. Aww. Do you remember it? Um, well, it was only like, it was only one sentence. Three words? Just, or two lines. Just bears and moose, bears and moose. I love bears and moose. Just over and over and over. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm sure my parents loved <laughs> it too. destined for this. <laughs> the first like 10 times and then they were like, okay. Yeah, they were over it. But where we lived, <laughs> our backyard actually, where our backyard ended, the woods started. So we had moose in the yard, you know, a couple times a week. Well, didn't you say your dad, like, invited them in for dinner or something? Yeah, cocktails and dinner. <laughs> no, he, this is very, you know, not recommended. Things were a little bit different back then. But, yeah, he would have us, like, feed them bread and, like, he lured one halfway into the house once. I, I, it's not anything that should be happening. I am amazed now. you're alive. Yes, yes. Please, no one do this. That is hilarious, though. Oh my gosh. Any '80s kids that are still alive today, we've we've seen some <laughs> shit. We've been through some shit. Yeah. Maybe not that specific shit, but you know, no. <laughs> some shit. Mostly just out fending for ourselves, getting into all kinds of trouble. Um. <laughs> Um, we'd get them in our yard sometimes, uh, in Anchorage. Um, and usually I wouldn't even know they were there at night and I'd get up to get like a glass of water and our cat would be sitting in the window, just growling, just like, you know, like our cute little fluffy black cat, um, acting really tough. And I'd look out the window and there'd be a moose and he was just trying to like stare the moose down in the middle of the night. Um, and then a few times I remember neighbors like, you know, kind of trying to carefully, kind of scare the moose off by making some noise before they went out to get in their car because they didn't want to, uh, you know, be in danger, or, you know, put themselves or the moose in danger. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's one of the few areas where you can, you know, call in late to work because you literally can't walk <laughs> to your car. We had that happen. We were at a sleepover in elementary school. Uh, it was a sleepover on a school night and we went out. Oh, with the moose? Not, so <laughs> well, he kind of showed up. No, she. We walk out the front door and there's a cow moose to our right and a calf to our left. And we were like, oh. Fuck. <laughs> and we just, we just, it's like that Homer Simpson gif where he just like walks back into the bushes to <laughs> into disappear. Bushes. That's yeah. basically what we did, but into the house. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Definitely. So if you guys haven't noticed yet, we're talking about moose today, <laughs> and I am drinking a moose drool brown ale from Big Sky Brewing. How is it? Well, they like to say, because they use the local water, that there is some form of moose drool in the beer. Interesting marketing tactic. Yeah, I don't know if that'd be like a selling point for me specifically, but kudos to them. It's a really good beer. It's a really good brown ale. I normally don't drink brown ales. I usually go for the IPAs now. I'm going to guess you're not drinking anything. Um, I actually did just have a glass of water, but... Oh, okay. Well, look, we're... 
It's called balance, folks. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I drink the alcohol. Salome <laughs> drinks the water. I'll take it. Uh, okay. Before we get into moose, I want to tell you our bear fact of the day. Mm-hmm. Bears. Bears use butt plugs. What? Oh, my God. I didn't see it going there. Oh, I know this is rated like E or M or something like that, but... Uh, when, when they hibernate, they don't excrete anything, um, urination or defecation. So what happens is the, the little bits that are left over kind of clump up and make a little butt plug along with... Um, like dirt and debris and stuff like that. It's called a fecal plug. And if you look around a oh, bear den. It's somehow so much worse. Yeah, I know, right? Because it's just, oh. it's like shit and dirt. Yeah. And if you look around a bear den. I won't. Um, shortly after won't. one comes out of it, they'll usually kind of push it out pretty close to the den. That's a lot. Um, that's a lot to process. Yeah. So bear butt plugs, everybody. I was imagining one with like a little rhinestone or something. <laughs> it's good I'm not drinking anything. I feel a little bit ill right now. Okay, let's jump right into moose. So the word moose comes from the Algonquin people, actually, and it means eater of twigs. Oh. They're the largest species of deer in the whole world, and they're found like on the kind of northern part of the northern hemisphere so like a little band if you had like a band going around that's i don't know why it's weird to me to think that they're related to deer i guess that really shouldn't seem too crazy they just are so their features are so much more like big and blunt and just big well someone has there has to be the biggest right so the moose that we have here in eastern idaho and that you guys have in utah are actually the smallest of all the subspecies. Really? They're still they're still up to about 11 1200 pounds and about 6 feet at the shoulder. Oh yeah, sounds small. Smallest is relative for sure. <laughs> and then the largest ones are actually in Alaska and they're about 7 feet or so at the shoulder and up to about 1800 pounds. Jeez. I also feel like the ones down here in the lower 48 have darker fur like the ones in alaska can be really dark too but i feel like all the ones Mm -hmm. i see in the lower 48 are that really dark brown and they're and ones in alaska Mm -hmm. can be like chocolatey brown they're they just seem lighter sandy yeah 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 i remember some especially kind of around the shoulders where they look they look a little bit like fluffier or something i remember them seeming kind of light yeah they're they definitely seem darker down here so in America, obviously throughout Alaska and Canada, they're found. Um, they're found in the Northeast, the Great Lakes region, down through the Rockies. And actually, there's been one around Albuquerque, New Mexico lately. They just last week oh, wow. captured him and moved him uh, into kind of the no- yeah. more, more north in New Mexico into the mountains up there. And those mountains are, you know, really good moose habitat. We don't really think about it when we think of New Mexico. But, you know, they get to eight, 9,000 feet, really forested. Um, they have a lot of elk and black bears and things like that. So it kind of makes sense that it would, you know, be the same. That does make sense. So speaking of those habitats that they like, 
Their favorite areas are riparian, which I think we've talked about before. It basically means... Around rivers? Mm-hmm, yeah. Right? yeah. The land. Yeah. The earth part, the non-water part by a river. Um, it's going to have a lot of willows. And when I say willows, I don't mean big-ass willow trees. I'm talking about they're more like shrubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, shrubs in heavy locations because they can be eight, nine, ten feet tall. They can be gigantic, but they're not like the willow trees that you would see on the East Coast or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they love those willows. Um, they love any kind of alpine forest areas, tundra, streams, ponds. They're huge, huge fans of aquatic plants Aww. and vegetation. Takes your little moose snorkeling. Yeah, actually, well, they kind of do. So um, they, what they'll do is they, they can actually dive and swim, and they can dive about 20 feet down. That is impressive. Well, and one reason why is their, their nostrils will actually close. Wow. So water won't get up their nose, and they can hold their breath for up to a minute. So they can just get down there and get all those tasty plants and stuff. That's fascinating. They're also actually pretty fast swimmers. Usually five to six miles an hour, they can swim. Well, that is fast. Even though they got them big old hoofs, <laughs> they can swim pretty fast. And yes, I said hoofs, not hooves. What's the... I just think it's cuter. <laughs> I honestly don't know what the proper thing is. I think I've been corrected either way. It's hooves with a V. Well, I know it's like... But I, I like to say I know hooves. it's like spelled with a V, but... I, I've heard people say hoofs too. I guess I just thought it was a regional thing. Oh, that could be it. So another reason why they love getting in the water is when it's really, really hot. Moose can't really handle the heat very well. So their winter coats only tolerate about up to 23 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative 5 Celsius. Jeez. And their summer coats can only tolerate up to about 52 degrees Fahrenheit, which is... 11 degrees celsius yeah, it doesn't seem like uh albuquerque weather definitely not a not a good fit <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe just in winter mm-hmm. but but shit even here last summer when i first moved up here it was almost 80 degrees one day and we saw this huge bull moose oh. just well where we saw those ones oh yeah um where we saw those ones in driggs yeah but he was halfway in the stream oh so he was you know enjoying that colder water but it was literally 80 degrees and super sunny and they're super dark coats i can't even imagine yeah. how hot he must have oh, been poor guy it helps that their hair, each individual hair is hollow, so it helps insulate them. And that's, you know, in the heat or the cold. That does help, but but those temperatures, so again, with that summer coat, 52 and above, is when they start to get uncomfortable. And they're going to start seeking, you know, shade. A lot of times, you won't really see, if it's hot out, you won't really see moose during the day. They're usually hanging out under under a tree in the shade. Uh, somewhere like that where they can be a little cooler so that's why i got up at three forty-five <laughs> on saturday morning because you're a moose because i am a moose yes <laughs> <laughs> time for a refill so we've taken a quick break uh because salome was damn near falling asleep as i was talking i guess i'm <laughs> that boring no i just have had a really long week a long day i feel that do you want to share what you're drinking now uh i'm drinking some 
<laughs> some espresso <laughs> from uh, Korea. So is it a packet like, because when we went camping a few weeks ago, Kelly brought these, they're almost like tea bags, but it's coffee and you like steep it in the water. Oh, that's cool. This one just dissolves. It's just like an instant um, coffee. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the moose. So like me, they are mostly solitary. And they do not move in traditional. Burnt my hand. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> okay, so they they don't move in traditional herds like you would see elk or whitetail deer or mule deer. Mm-hmm. Um, the times that they do hang out with each other is when a mother <laughs> has a calf or calves, and then bulls usually. So for most of the year, bulls will hang out in kind of these loose groups usually of anywhere from two or three to like 10 of them um it's usually just a couple though they're just like a group of dudes hanging out until yeah until the rut um it's gonna be starting here pretty soon late september early october and this is where they are fighting to mate so when you see those really cool videos of moose clashing antlers and things like that or if you see a video of a moose walking through the forest and they're swaying their head side to side i really wish everybody could see (laughs) the thing i'm doing right now but um (laughs) we'll link we'll link a thing but they they will do that as kind of a, a show of how big their antlers are so they kind of sway their head side to side definitely sounds like dude behavior so the rut is coming up and I, I'm definitely going to head out and try to get more route photos and stuff. Other than when I come down to help you move. Aww. Yeah, I'm going to spend every weekend in the Tetons or Yellowstone. Probably both. I'll try to schedule my move around um, moose mating season. Yeah, I would appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> they have an app. Oh, like a... No, I, no, I was going to make a joke about a moose dating app, but... Well, I was trying to think of like 10... And you're like, mooser? I can't even think of what it would be called. What, antler? How about just antler? Antler. But A-N-T-L-R. Like how grinder <laughs> is just the R. Yes. So uh, calves are born usually in early spring. And they only stay with their moms for about a year. Uh, they usually have two calves, but anywhere from one to three is normal. And after about a year is when they go off on their own, maybe year, year and a half-ish. Yeah, with bears, you said um, she kicks them out. And with moose, you're like, she sends them away. It sounds so much nicer. It, it is nicer. Really? Like how they do it is more polite? Literally, yes. So with moose, you know, sometimes she'll kind of charge the calf to get it to go away. But usually... Uh-huh. Yeah, usually at that point, they're just kind of going to do it anyway, and they start to spread out more, not really go back to each other Mm -hmm. as much until they're just not around. Whereas with bears, especially grizzlies, they will, like, chase and bite and, like, really make the the, um, cub know that they need to fucking go away. That's sad. I do want to get into that topic more when we talk about like famous bears and mm-hmm. naming bears and things like that. Um, Cause I don't think, I, I don't think it's always a bad thing. Like a lot of traditional kind of um, ecologists or biologists might think. 
Um, I actually think nowadays it's it's almost better for them mm -hmm. because we can relate to them a little better. But I do want to get into that topic as a whole a lot more. Um, just, you know, per personifying them and assigning these human traits. But mm -hmm. I know for me, it makes me care more and, you know, makes me relate to them a little more. Yeah. Or feel like I am, at least. Yeah, I'm guessing that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah, it seems like it. So speaking of the dating app antlers, <laughs> uh, bulls grow these every year. And true, they grow true antlers that are made of bone. And they're covered in what everybody calls velvet, but it's actually vasculature covering. And it has fine hair on it. So it it does look velvety because the hair is so fine, but it is, it's hair. Obviously, it's not actual velvet. Um, and they drop them every winter after the rut, uh, anywhere from like November to February or March, they'll drop them. That vasculature is what grows these antlers. So what those blood vessels do is they transport calcium, uh, collagen and protein basically what literally makes up bone they transport that into these antlers so they can grow bigger and bigger and bigger and then a few weeks before the rut starts you'll see moose start scraping their antlers um, all on trees and different things like that and it looks really gruesome <sighs> because that velvet quote unquote is there's a lot there's like a shitload of blood vessels and um, so it looks really gruesome because it'll be hanging off their antlers. There's blood everywhere. It, it really looks like a horror movie almost. That sounds incredibly painful. Uh, so you mentioned true antlers. What do you mean by that? What's the difference exactly? Usually ungulates will have antlers or horns. Um, and just a reminder, an ungulate is just that hooved mammal. Um, so with our horns, so horns are made of the same thing that our skin and hair is made of. It's made of keratin. And antlers are made of bone. And so antlers will get dropped every year, almost, for most species. And horns stay their whole life. And one reason why horns are made of keratin is because they have to carry them around their whole life mm -hmm. and so and they and they slowly grow bigger and bigger and bigger and it it's mm -hmm. it's just not practical to have that an antler set year-round because antlers are so much heavier oh yeah than horns i mean when i get my hair cut um it feels like i've lost like 20 pounds just on my head i can't imagine having giant bone antlers okay i'm gonna take you back to denali they have a section by the tech Teklanika rest stop where they have a bunch of different antlers and horns that you can like pick up and play you literally can play with them oh my gosh they have a set of of doll sheep horns which are very similar to bighorn sheep and you can actually kind of play with them feel them you can a lot of people hold them up to their heads and take pictures I am one <laughs> of those people I've been doing that since I was a little kid they've had that <laughs> same rest stop I want to try that that sounds fun one of the only exceptions, and and this is one of the million things that makes pronghorn cool, is pronghorn, they're their own thing. So they're not part of the cervidae family. First of all, they're not antelope. Uh, a lot of people will call them antelope. Yeah, I learned that from you, actually, because in Utah, um, within the Great Salt Lake, 
um, the largest island is Antelope Island. And I think it was when we were doing a transport for a local animal rescue. Um, when you're transporting those, oh, those cats. cats. Yeah, those adorable cats. Yes. Uh, we were driving when we got down out the on the freeway flats. to save ducks. Yes, we did. Oh, that was... That was very memorable. Yeah, don't don't mind us getting out when it, the speed limit is eighty miles an hour to save some baby ducks <laughs> in the median. Yes, we were driving by the Bonneville Salt Flats, and um, I can't remember what the subject was initially, but yeah, you you were explaining that the antelope on Antelope Island are actually pronghorn, which I never knew. Yeah, well, we saw some. Oh, we we and did. There, there's a shitload around there. Yeah. There's a ton between Salt Lake and Wendover. That's right. Actually, even, you know, further that whole way. But mm. but the cool thing about pronghorn, and, you know, I want to dedicate a lot more time to it on their mm-hmm. episode, but they have a like a double reverse system. So usually with an antler, it's made of bone and it drops off, right? And then a horn is made of keratin, does not drop off. But with pronghorn, they have little spikes that are made of bone, which is antler material, and then they grow a sheath around it of keratin, which is horn material, and that sheath falls off every year. So not only do they have both, but the opposite happens. The bony part is what stays permanent, and the horn material, essentially, is what falls off every year. But it's just a sheath around it. That is so cool. All right, so that's some of the basics just about moose and their life cycle and what they do. A a couple words of caution. Do not fuck with moose. They will completely wreck you. I'm actually more concerned about running into moose on the trail than bears usually. So, yeah, I think one of the biggest things with moose before we get onto threats to them is just don't fuck with them, please. I mean... When I when we were out taking the photos yesterday, we were legal and it, it still felt too close. So I backed off a couple big things when you're watching wildlife is trusting your gut. Different parks have different regulations on how close or far away you're supposed to be. In Grand Teton, it's 25 yards from all animals except except bear and wolf. That's 100 yards. So we were definitely legal, and there were park rangers on scene making sure everyone was behaving. But I, I always ask my, myself two questions when I'm watching wildlife, which is very frequent. You know, for, well, first of all, you want to make sure you're legal based on where you're at and the type of animal. But the two questions I always ask myself is, am I making this animal alter their behavior? And if I am, then I'm too close or I'm too loud, or I'm too something. Even if I am that 25 yards away, which is about two school buses, if it helps anybody visualize. But am I making this animal change its behavior? And then the other question that I ask myself is, could I get to safety if this animal chose to stop being tolerant of my presence? Mm -hmm. And the answers to those two questions help me decide, you know, is this a safe situation? Because I don't want to alter an animal's natural behavior. You know, I they obviously know we're there, but I don't want them to ever feel like they have to defend themselves or 
you know, change something they were doing. There's been a million times in Yellowstone where I've seen bears trying to cross the road and they can't do it because people are just fucking everywhere. And there's, I actually, a few weeks ago, there was this big, huge boar grizzly around sunset. He's clearly trying to cross the road. I ended up parking just in the perfect spot and he crossed right in front of me, but I like told people to stop because he had tried to cross a few times and he couldn't. And I, I literally stopped traffic so this bear could go about, about his day. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't think about that stuff. So we want to be safe. We don't want to piss off moose. If you have dogs, you know, be really careful in moose country because dogs look like wolves to moose. And a lot of times when a seemingly docile moose, I mean, they're not really, but, you know, somebody, this happens a lot actually in Anchorage, Alaska, someone's just out walking their dog on a sidewalk and a moose attacks them, right? Because dogs look like wolves to them. So they're going to be on edge with dogs. So follow leash laws, make sure your dog has good recall. It's okay to not take your dog off the leash. They don't have to be off leash everywhere. And and I am a, a huge dog owner. So yeah, and, and also I, I there's some other dog owners that I, I'll hear, you know, that are just like, oh, my dog's so well trained and they don't react to animals. But your dog may not have seen a moose before. You know, your dog might be fine with like other dogs or cats or something like that. But like, for example, um, our two hounds uh, absolutely lose their minds with deer mm-hmm. uh, more than like raccoons or squirrels or cats or other dogs or anything that, that like that specifically deer. I don't know what it is. They've seen horses. I think they've seen moose from a distance. I, I should also say that our dogs are specifically never off leash because they're hounds. So just for their safety and everything else, you know, I always have them on leash, but um, but yeah, your dog might have a reaction to an animal that it hasn't seen before in a strange environment um, that's different than what you expect. Absolutely. we. I was walking one time actually up in your neck of the woods behind um, Snow Basin and this moose just freaking jumped out of nowhere about 20 feet away from us. And so you never really know what's going to happen. But I would also challenge mm-hmm. not just your animal reacting to the wildlife, but we don't want the wildlife to react to your animal either. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's so many times with bears, um, usually black bears, where a dog is off leash, goes and fucks around and finds out and comes running back to the human and the bear is chasing the dog. So now you have a double situation here where your dog is now getting chased by a bear and your dog is running back to you. So now you are getting chased by a bear. Mm-hmm. If if you or any part about you, your loud ass car, are you honking because somebody stopped in the middle of the road? Yeah, it's really frustrating when people do that. But you honking isn't going to get that person to move. And now you've just disturbed the animal. Mm-hmm. Like one of the big things about these wild spaces is that we can go and we can see these animals in their natural habitats doing what animals do and when our presence starts to impact that that's a problem Mm -hmm. you know and some would argue it it does regardless of whether you see the animal change their behavior or not and i don't disagree with that but you know try just to not be a dickhead please (laughs) just just don't I think it's right? like stay away. Don't fuck with them. And I think people underestimate, um, I guess the the damage that moose can do. 
you know, they, they might not have big scary claws and teeth and seem as threatening. Uh, but moose and deer and any other wild animals can be, uh, not intentionally, but they can be a threat to you or a danger to you. Absolutely. I mean, moose run about as fast as bears, 35 miles an hour. It's a hell of a lot faster than you can run. Not you, but, you know, you rhetorically. That was rude. <laughs> Is that a, a swipe at my leg? Is that... Oh, yeah. Well, you can't run at all right now until your leg heals. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about threats to moose. So going with our theme, uh, probably the biggest threat to moose is climate change. And this is for a few reasons. One of the reasons is wildfires, because wildfires tend to take out deciduous trees a lot more deciduous trees than evergreen trees. So deciduous trees are like your aspens, your birches, your willows, the ones that, you know, lose all their leaves and stuff and are kind of dormant over winter. And that's what moose like to eat. And when we have these big wildfires, it really decimates those versus a lot of evergreen trees, especially a lot of pine trees in this area, they will actually... Um, their pine cones won't open until they get a certain temperature degree. So some of these pine trees in this area are literally designed to only spread their seeds during a wildfire. But moose aren't eating those. They're eating the trees that die off, the aspens, the birches, the willows. And there's a lot of people who think that wolves eradicated moose from Yellowstone. But the fact of the matter is the moose left after the 1988 fire. That was a huge fire. It burned 30% of the park. So about 800,000 acres of Yellowstone. But it's not those deciduous trees. They don't grow back as fast. And with all the damage that the elk were doing to the riparian areas, they, you know, especially weren't coming back. Mm. So that that fire happened seven years before wolves were reintroduced and moose were kind of out, out at that point. Now they're coming back partially in thanks to wolves, but, you know, other 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 things, too, kind of like we talked about last week. But, um, you know, I'm seeing moose in areas of Yellowstone now that I never would have thought I would ever see them 10 years ago. So they are increasing and they are around more. And that's because those trees are finally starting to come back and beavers can make their dams and rivers are flowing better. And, you know, we have these, this riparian vegetation that's able to grow. Another thing is just the heat. You know, like I said, their coats are not meant to withstand these really high temperatures. Uh, give them 40. They're going to be happier in 40 below than they are in 70 above. So two things that I want to talk about, though, that are probably the biggest threat, ongoing threat to moose and are, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions, exacerbated by climate change, not caused by climate change, but exacerbated, is one of, one of them is winter ticks. So these ticks only show up in the winter, as their names, uh, and they, um, unlike other ticks, so ticks do this thing called questing, where they hang out on vegetation, and as you walk by, they attach to you. So they don't, like, jump or anything, but they just, like, attach to you. But 
with these winter ticks, they're in like large interlocking clumps. So when one attaches, the rest are all, they're all attached to each other. Uh, snow and cold kills them, but that's not happening as much or for as long. And there was one moose found that had, um, it was estimated 90,000 of these ticks oh. on just one. Poor guy, jeez. Should I look up a picture of them? Will it be disgusting? Oh, they're so gross. They're really gross. And in Maine, over the winter of 2021 and 2022, 90% of the calves died directly because of these ticks. So these ticks kill them. I know. These ticks kill them because... Oh, my gosh. Did you just look it up? It's so gross. Yeah, it looks like... They look like coffee beans. Yes. It's just like a... These are pictures, I think, close-ups of mooses or moose, moose that were tagged. I almost said mooses that were tagged, um, and they've measured like the clumps of ticks. Like this one is six inches across, and it's just like a looks like a pile of coffee beans. Oh, so sad. They're like losing hair and. Yeah, so they oh. lose they lose a lot. So they lose a lot of their hair because they're trying to scratch them off. And so that loses their insulation, right? Makes them more susceptible to the cold weather. Um, another reason is they're just literally sucking their blood dry like vampires because there's so many of them. <sighs> so these ticks are a big deal. Um, another really big deal is a brain worm that they can get. Oh, it's oh, a parasitic nematode nice. and it attacks their brain and spinal cord. So what it does, and this is, you know, we see both of this, well, we see all all of these things down here, but what it does is it attaches um, and kind of travels through their spinal cord and into their brain and it causes paralysis, starvation, um, because it, it destroys the neurological function. And so you'll see, if you see a moose like walking in circles, mm -hmm. pacing back and forth, that kind of thing, it's probably this this brain worm, unfortunately. That would be a horrible way to go. Oh my gosh. Which again, they're not dying off in the winter as they should. Mm. One And one of the other big ones down here is an arterial worm. And what this worm does, it, this worm actually comes from bites of infected horse flies. Mm -hmm. Unlike this, this other brain worm that's neurological, this one burrows into the carotid artery, uh, which, as we know, goes from your heart up to your brain. And so it, it obstructs that blood flow. So it can cause blindness. It can cause a huge lack of coordination. Another thing that you'll be able to see from afar is it causes ear tip necrosis. So if you ever see a picture of a moose where it looks like someone just took scissors to the top of their ears, it's usually this arterial worm. Because, because of that blood flow, uh, they get that frostbite and those tips just kind of fall off. Oh, sad. And this is yet another one that's, you know, not dying in the cold like it used to, like it should. Just like the pine bar the um pine beetles from last episode. You know, there's a there's a lot that should be dying off in the cold and they're not because it's not as cold. Another semi big threat, you know, just in general, which is part of the natural cycle is barren wolf predation. And and we kind of talked about this a little bit last week uh, with the with what bears eat when we were talking about their diets. So I said earlier that 
the wolves in this area are not decimating moose. The majority, over 90% of a wolf's diet in this area is elk. Um, I think only about 1% is moose. Mm. But for bears, like we talked about last week, they do prey on moose calves. And in certain areas around the Great Lakes, where there has been wolf reintroduction, they also prey on moose calves. That's a bit intentional, though. The moose um, on Isle Royal National Park were kind of doing what the elk were here, where they're just destroying everything because there's too many and we eradicated their predators. So that's why there was wolf reintroduction on Isle Royal. And depending on the location and the type, the time of year, moose mortality rates can be anywhere from 20 to 80 percent, depending on predation from wolves or bears, injuries, these infections, those ticks. And there's an area actually, um, I'll post a link to it. There's an area specifically around here where a shitload of moose get killed by vehicles. You know, like we talked about last week, vehicles are the number one killer of wildlife. That's in the whole county. You can go to a map and I'll link the map, but you can go and see the majority of them are on like this two mile stretch of highway. That's so sad. Is there anything that they can do to mitigate that, like a wildlife overpass or reduce speed or anything? Uh, So they are working on different kind of ramps and things like that in the area. They're completely redoing a lot with um, the bridge work and how that highway goes. So I'm not sure exactly how they are solving for that, but um, the Jackson Hole Wildlife Foundation has like signs up everywhere that are donated, um, like the construction signs that flash and, and show information. And so they have a bunch of those. Right now, there's a lot of construction in that spot. So the moose aren't really coming around. I really hope they improve that. That's just so sad. So, yeah, there's a lot of threats to moose. Um, you know, we are definitely seeing them coming around more in certain areas thanks to different kind of conservation efforts that have been made. But I think the trend we'll see as the planet gets warmer and warmer is them slowly disappearing from these places down here. It's just going to get too hot. They're just going to slowly go more north, in my personal opinion. That is not backed up by any facts or science. (laughs) All right. So I have a fact of the day for moose. Can I guess what it is? Absolutely. Do they use butt plugs too? They don't use butt plugs, but one of the ways that you can tell um, cows and bull moose apart is the cow. Do I want to know? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) Um, The cow moose has what's called a vulvar patch. So uh, just below where their like little nubby tail is, if it's a cow moose, there's going to be a little white vulva patch. Oh, okay. Yeah, because bulls don't have their antlers year-round. So they're going to drop them, and it takes a while for them to start growing. So there's times when you might see a moose out in the field, and it doesn't have antlers, but it's it's mm-hmm. definitely a bull. And if you have good binoculars, you can see if they have the spots kind of by their ears where their antlers grow out of. Or if you get a look at that booty, you can see <laughs> if they have the vulva patch. Um, But no, that's not the fact of the day. Uh, The fact, the moose fact of the day is that in most parts of Europe, moose are called elk. Oh, really? 
where do you find moose throughout the world? You mentioned Scandinavian countries, um, other parts of Europe. Yeah, so throughout the world, you're going to find them um, in Northern Europe, Russia, some of the Eastern European countries, but you have to get pretty high. Are they in like Iceland or Greenland? They're not in Iceland, and the only ungulates that are in Greenland are muskox and caribou. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's all I got. I just love moose. I think they're so special, and I love being able to see them and... I don't know. They're just goofy and silly, but at the same time, regal and majestic. Mm -hmm. That's a very good description. And when you can see them just doing their thing, I don't know. It just helps me feel closer to nature. Before we go, please rate, review, like, subscribe, all of those things. Find us mostly on Instagram, but also Facebook kind of threads. I hate X slash Twitter slash Elon Musk. So we're not on there. <laughs> um, and I like to say we're going to do stuff on threads. We just don't. So Instagram's the main one. And then Facebook as well. It's just Bears and Bruce podcast. Email us any questions or corrections, comments, anything like that. Um, personal stories of times when some of these animals have really impacted you. Uh, Bears and Bruce podcast at gmail.com. Yes, make sure to send your questions so that I, the wildlife expert, can answer them. Thank you to Christian Mills for making our music and Acast for hosting. All right, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>